I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DraftKings podcast. I'm here as ever with Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how's it going? Yeah, really good. I think we'd, uh, we, we did well again at the Arnold Palmer. Um, you know, we, we, we both liked uh, Victor Hovland. He was our favourite guy above the 10k range. He obviously didn't quite get the job done, but was, was there for the most part. And uh, Tyrrell Hatton was, was the 9k guy for me. Um, and, and just generally across the board, Keegan Bradley was the guy you loved. Um, in the seven k range, and um, yeah, Billy Horshaw as well. So it was uh, it was overall a good week, I think. It was great, unless uh, you're like me and had a big Victor Hovland ticket, and yeah, I thought I thought he should have won, and um, he just has no course management skills, which is something that, that probably comes with age, right? Yeah, but it, you'd you'd think that maybe his caddy would say it would would kind of get him on the right track or talk him out of some things. Like I don't understand why he goes at the pin on seventeen. Just so many decisions. Like if he played that the right way, I think he could have won by five shots. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? I think I think the thing is we're, we're kind of spoiled with with people like Colin Morikawa who just has like he just seems to have plans and executes them very very well, very strong mentally. Um, you know that. You see these other guys that, that make these mistakes. I mean, how long did Scheffler make mistakes for before he, he turned into what he has over the past uh, past few weeks here? So I think maybe that's a little bit of a shout-out to, to Ted Scott there. Um, I think he's been a huge influence on Scotty Scheffler in their seven starts. He's now got two wins. So, um, yeah, I think overall, I think, you know, Victor Hovland showed what he's like. You know, we, we liked the... The, the kind of hidden course form there with him um once again that that kind of shined through and you know sort of similar with, with billy horshaw as well tyrrell hatton was a was a galaxy brain type is while well, people are going to be off him and, and that kind of worked out nicely as well but um you know overall i think i thought there was a couple of surprises i was surprised that gary woodland kind of went back to back top fives um sam burns obviously bounced back to a little bit of form lucas herbert was someone there that that almost took advantage going out early and uh, just sitting in the clubhouse. But I didn't, I didn't see an awful lot of the of the uh, event yesterday. I was out a lot of my birthday, but uh, you know, overall, I think I think we we kind of had the right ideas, and it was just uh, it was just hovering lit down in the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think as far as the DFS plays went, it was it was very good. I mean, a lot of my lineups, um, I played Hovland in pretty much every lineup, and he was like eight, nine, ten percent in each one. So you got to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I sort of sent you a, a message earlier on and um, on going into Sunday, and I, you know, I had a quite nice little line. I've had Scheffler in there, Horschel in there, uh, Bradley was playing well. Zadatoris had a chance to kind of sneak up, and unfortunately, just guys went the wrong way. Troy Merritt shot 15 over par yesterday to kind of kill that lineup. Uh, Bo Hostler went over par for the weekend, six over par, and Zadatoris was seven over as well. So there was a bit of carnage. Um, but yeah, overall, I, th- I thought we were, we were pretty strong. So, um, happy with the Arnold Palmer invitation on the end. Players' Championship, really hard event, I think, Matt, to get right. I think it's a it's the hardest event to handicap all year. I think in terms of betting, because you know people will point to the majors, but the majors, the PJ Championship, you've got a load of PJ pros you can chuck out. The Masters, you've got a load of guys that play into their 60s that you can chuck out plus the guys that go into the event 12 months ago that have lost all their sorts of form 
um, US Open, you get Open qualifiers. Yeah, Open Championship, a whole wave can be taken out based on weather. Like I think the players is just really, really difficult to uh, to hit the courts. It is, and and you know, in in a way, that's a great thing for DFS because if you look at last week, you could have had a six out of six lineup, and because there was only 120 guys in the field, um, you you know the the six out of six percentage was so high last week that you had six out of six is not cashing, and um, it, a lot of the popular guys made it, or pretty much all the popular guys made it, so it was really hard to actually win win a, a DFS a DFS contest, and you know this week it's going to be difficult, but. The six out of six is going to be low, um, and it's going to be really popular guys who are missing the cut. It's just inevitable. So I think it's a good opportunity to kind of spike a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's dive straight into it then. Let's look at the guys, uh, 10k and above. Usual suspects: John Rahm's here at 11,100. Roy McIlroy 10,800. Colin Morikawa 10,700. Justin Thomas 10,400, and Victor Hovland 10,100. Um, I've planted my flag on Colin Morikawa for this tournament for a little while now. Uh, I've stuck with him in the betting market. I will be sticking to him in DraftKings as well. Um, so he's going to be my favourite play there. I, 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 there's not going to be too much to say. I think that the final round 66 here last year kind of showed what he can do. Again, you're just kind of hoping on that spike putting week, but that's the same with JT. That's the same with Ram. You're trying to find the Hovland around the green and, and Rory McIlroy. I don't quite know... Um, what to do with, but who would be your guy in the, in the 10k plus range? Um, I'm taking a stand as well, but my stand is going to be on John Rahm this week. Yeah, it uh, looks like a lot of people are are thinking the way you're thinking, and you know, talking themselves into Morikawa, it, and it's a it's a great fit. What's not to love? He puts the yeah. ball in play. He's got great iron player. Look at the other players who have won it. He just fits the mold of a guy like that. But um, it seems like that's where most people are gra- gravitating. I, I anticipate he will be the highest uh, owned player on the on the board. Um, definitely above 10K, he'll be the highest owned player. And for me, you know, getting Rom a bit of a discount, maybe, I don't know, he'll probably end up being 14, 15% owned. It's not going to be a crazy difference, but um, his ball striking has just been excellent. And, like, I don't even think that's, that is fair it's been more than excellent because if you look at his ball striking in the past 24 rounds he's gained 53.6 strokes on the field the second best was will zalatoris has gained 37.3 strokes on the field so he's just lapping everybody in terms of ball striking and we know the putting and short game isn't there but i mean long term i just i don't care i i know he's a good chipper i know he's a good putter and i know that the last three starts has been rough but i just have faith he's going to get it back on track the thing is, it you know we, we say this a lot about players, and we say it about like Zalatoris, and we say it about Luke List, and we say it about Keegan Bradley. You know, once they can putt, they'll have a good week. But we're talking about once John Rahm putts, he could probably win by five or six strokes. Like he is just like you say that the ball striking some of the best it's been since certainly since that U.S. Open victory. Um, his poor finishes are 21st and 17th. Like he, he's been 14th, 3rd, 10th, 21st, 17th to start this, uh, on second at the, tenth, uh, the century as well, uh, to start this season. And I actually think his course form is a little bit overlooked. I mean, he missed a cut on his debut, which is something a lot of guys have done, but he opened with a 68 that week, uh, to, to sit third after the first round. I think there was actually a 54 hole cut because he went 72 82 and didn't play the Sunday. Um, 63rd the following year, but he was 13th and 17th after the first and second round. 
And then when he was 12th in 2019, he was famously leading after 54 holes, uh, made a couple of bad errors there. And then last year, when he was 9th, he was 5th after 54 holes. So I do think that actually John Rahm, because he's burning people at the moment, um, it, it could be a good time to play him. Yeah, and you know, back on that 2019 thing, like you said, he was first after 54 holes. He was also first after 65 holes when he was in that bunker on 11. Yeah. And um, if he didn't make that dumb mistake, and I think you know, emotionally since then, he's definitely matured, and he's not going to ignore his caddy and just put one in the middle of the lake from the fairway bunker. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great spot. I think, I think he's going to win this week. I, I got a 14 to one on him, and I bet, on, I bet that as well. I just, I'm taking a big stand on him. I think he's, like you said, course form is is a bit hidden and it's great and i think he's eventually going to be a player's champion but i think colin walker will too so yeah i mean look it's, it's one of those things where i purely just i had i had morikara in mind for weeks and i just don't want to i don't want to abandon that like there's nothing i've had it in my mind he's going to win the tournament and and i kind of want to stick to it but as i said earlier the the, the DraftKings thing is such a different game this week like, ownership is going to be important obviously as it is most weeks and there's so many different ways to create your lineups this week you know the pricing allows you to do so many different things that you know you can start with john rahm and another guy in the in the low nines eights that you know you could feel really good about and it's you know it's a really tough week to get right so are you out on rory um i uh, it's tough because he's definitely the lowest owned guy in this range um yeah. him and victor are gonna be the two, two guys people don't really want to play um i like victor a little better than rory i mean i just think he's very safe to kind of be there whereas they both i, I like both of them to be honest with you but i and i'm not gonna be able to jam him in with rom and i'd rather play rom he he's literally not really been spoke about i don't think victor hovland uh in this event which is which is good if you you know you do want to go on him um you know it's rory's got his demons right i don't think there's any there's any two ways to look at it i think he is kind of struggling uh, i know he won that obviously that's cj Carp and he won the wells fargo but especially in, in terms of quail hollow is somewhere he's done it before and you know he, he got some sort of breaks in there but i don't really like him surrounded by so much water surrounded by so many tough holes when he's he's kind of in that frame of mind he was very downbeat after you know bay hill he didn't he went on that really poor stretch where he didn't kind of you know make any birdies when he was like 23 holes so um yeah, it's tough, but maybe again, it's a completely different test. Uh, you know, the players to to Bay Hill, despite the fact it being tough, and um, you know, things can change very quickly. But I I will avoid him, um, despite the the kind of ownership savings you can make, I suppose. Um, let's go into the nine k range. I think this is actually one of the more pivotal areas. I think you can you can get some good guys in here and. Um, Patrick Cantley's 9,900, Dustin Johnson, 9,800, Xander Shoffley, 9,700, Hideki Matsuyama, 9,600, Bryson DeChambeau is obviously out of the tournament, if you haven't seen that news yet, Cameron Smith, 9,400, and then you've got Scotty Scheffler at 92, and Jordan Spieth at 9,000 flat. I've, as I said to you earlier, the, the, the difference between this and betting is I've gone for the big upside um, in terms of Dustin Johnson, like I think his his betting number was ridiculous. We've got a forty to one on him. I will take forty to one on him every day, every week that he plays, um, unless he somehow tragically lost an arm because um, he's just not a forty to one golfer. His, his course form again. Someone said to me earlier he's only got one top ten on the golf course. Well, not many people have top tens here. Like you know, course experience over course history 
uh, in terms of form is definitely more important and you know when you look at the the 17th and 12th place finishes um you know before that the 17th he was first after round one the 11th after round two third after 54 holes and you know the 12th the, the year before he shot 60 out in the final day to kind of climb the leaderboard but you know, there's been some good stuff in there, even even in the years where he wasn't playing his best stuff at this event. So, what's the ownership looking like for, for Dustin Johnson? Uh, he's looking like the lowest of this range, um, besides Spieth. Spieth's coming in pretty much relatively unowned, and DJ would be the second lowest. Um, and I'm with you completely. I'm I'm going with DJ, too. And I, we talked about embrace volatility in the betting market. I'm with you. I, I also bet the 40-1 to 1 that I saw, and... Yeah. But I'm 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 gonna go that way in in uh, DFS too because I just think there's so much volatility here that if you're saving this much on a player of his caliber and he actually makes a run at, at this thing, then you're in great shape. And I think the thing is as well, like with the volatility, like you say, it's gonna be really hard to get six or six through. So in terms of, um, you know, trying to go for safety and, and picking a, a Xander or a Patrick Cantlay or a, even a Scotty Scheffler at this stage. Um, you know, maybe you do want to look to the guys like DJ and Spieth to to kind of lift up that uh, volatility. I mean, I won't be going to Spieth. I don't like him for this event at all. Um, but uh, what are your stance on the other guys in this range, Cantlay and Shuffle and Nideki in particular? With Cantlay, it's like he's been contending a lot, but he hasn't really been playing all that well. It's like he's just kind of finding a way to hang around and then, you know, get him to a place. I don't love him as much in Florida and Bermuda on the East Coast. And I do like him a lot. He's probably going to be the highest. You know, I like him. He's going to be the highest. I wouldn't say a lot, but he's going to be the highest owned guy here. And he's looking around 15% and DJ seven or eight. So I think if you, you know, it's half the ownership and it's, he's a little bit, he's less volatile for sure. But I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he missed the cut here either. And um, I, I like Xander better than, than Cantlay. Yeah. I mean, so Cantlay's missed his last two cuts, which uh, coincide with the move to, to March. I don't know if that's anything to do with it. Um, you would think that actually that would sort of play in his hands, but on his debut when he was 22nd, he was seventh, fifth and seventh after the first three rounds. Uh, go fast forward again to the following year he was first second and ninth after the three rounds so he's obviously got a good track record here without really thinking about it but like i said to you i think maybe last week or the week before like, i do think that maybe he's getting overvalued based on those wins that could have gone either way i mean if, if ram was allowed to play that final round memorial if, if he then had that lead in the tour championship would he have either of those wins you know and i think that's kind of been factored in for a while but with xander it's it's really weird he, he had that second place finish on uh on his first start here and then missed the two cuts. Does that worry you at all? Yeah. Uh, I, I rarely go to, to Xander. I I thought, you know, I, I'm i kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because I said with DJ I want to play him um, on DraftKings and bet him. But for Xander, it might be better. to. I saw a 28 to 1. I think it's a pretty good number on him. But, um, yeah, I'm just kind of lukewarm on him. He's I think he's, he's all right. He could be a good play. Uh, but that's why a big reason why I'll probably just go to DJ is because I – almost trust him as much as these guys even though he's more volatile but he's not playing as poorly as people think he is he's playing all right. he's play, he's playing fine and yeah. um and, and, Hide- and i think i'd rather go to hideki than the other ones too i mean he seems relatively safe i love hideki uh at this golf course obviously he shot that 63 the the opening uh, round of 2020 that the show you know, unfortunately got cancelled but um even last year right when he missed the cut he, he bounced back with a 69 in the second round to kind of just miss uh he was eighth in uh, 2019 as we said there, 63 in the, the first round of that event that was cancelled. And even before that, 23rd, 17th, 7th, 22nd, like two missed cuts, but generally speaking, very solid here. And, you know, that could have been very different depending on 
with that 2020 uh, form carried on. So I think the upside of Hideki is huge. Uh, I do think he's relatively safe. Shuffle's just not been doing... Like We associate Shuffle with just being that kind of lock top 10, top 15 guy that, that's just going to score you a load of points, but doesn't even necessarily strike me as being able to do that this week. Like I, I don't have any faith in him at all. So I know in terms of betting, like as soon as you see a two in front of Xander's name, people get a little bit more excited than maybe they should. I don't know. That's that's uh, that's up for other people to debate. But um, it, it will be interesting to see. And then you've got Cameron Smith and Scotty Scheffler. And I'm guessing people think the Scotty Scheffler form has, has got to end eventually. And, and Cameron Smith is, is a bit of an enigma, I think. And he, yeah, and he's just expensive. It's, mm. it, it's just you don't see him all that often. And then he, he comes here and he's priced with Hideki and Scheffler and guys who uh, have been winning a lot lately, both those guys. And it's, and then you get and you get Berger at 8,800. So no one's really – I mean, people are going to – and people are playing him anyway. Like people yeah. still like Cameron Smith. It's, it's, for me, he's just too expensive. I think he's his flavor of the month, right, that because he's he's had that obviously you know that historic win and – he was 17th here last year. He shot a third round 65, which kind of masks what he was doing for the rest of the week, and he missed his first two cuts here. The only thing I would say is if that increased distance is a real thing, then then maybe his, his fortunes do change here, because I think that is more important now we've moved into March. Absolutely. I think, and that's another reason I like DJ. He's still been, even when he hasn't been playing as well, he's still been, um, he's still been hitting the driver really well. So, yeah, I mean, but he sprays it a bit too, Smith. He, you yeah. Know, he worries you with water and you know i don't know i'm 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 not he's not for me i'd rather play uh, dj and hideki and i think the thing with with dj is that like he just hasn't been playing a lot so the fact that he hasn't had like a win or a second or been in contention particularly in recent memory people just think he's automatically playing bad right but you know 25th at tory wasn't wasn't terrible that's you know a decent week for him um, at that golf course, eighth at the Saudi, where he generally wins. Uh, the miscut at the Riviera wasn't great, like, and there wasn't too much to shout about. But um, you know that CJ Cup earlier in the year, even earlier in the season, even like he opened with a 74, then shot 66, 67, 67. Like, I think it's just been overblown um, how much both he and uh, one of the guys in the 8K range has been playing. But before we move into that, is a Jordan Spieth? Are you in or out? Out. Oh. Yeah. I'm yeah, hardly ever in, and yeah, not in. Yeah, I, I, I'd just rather wait until Augusta. If you, if you feel like you have to play Jordan Spieth, just, just do it there because uh, he's, he's been good once at this golf course, um, and you know that was when Jordan Spieth was Jordan Spieth, right? I mean, he's been pretty terrible since, and I, and I think that you know the, the more it becomes a tee to green game rather than a, a short game that used to be, um, the, the harder it gets for him. AK range. Um, Wills Alatoris, you've already mentioned. Daniel Berger, uh, Louis Eustace, and Brooks Kepka, Tony Finau, Wacky Neiman, Sung JM, Adam Scott, Billy Horschel. Obviously, we don't want to go through all of those. And Shane Larry, they're at 8K flat as well. We don't want to go through all of those individually. Um, who would be your main guys in this range? Uh, the first thing I'll say is I'm a little bit gun shy on the guys who got their ass kicked all weekend. Um, yeah. At AP. Like, I don't mind the guys who played well, but. Like Zalatoris is a little scary for that reason. I mean, he just was he just was terrible on the weekend, and the course just kicked his butt. So um, that's you know a little bit of a concern for me. Uh, I like Louis in this range. I feel like he's kind of a little bit you know he's been very popular for a long time, and all of a sudden he burned a couple of people, and now 
most people seem to be off him because Berger's looking like the him and Morikawa the two highest owned guys on the board. Berger's going to be extremely high. Um, I like Louis. I, I, I was going into this really wanting to play Brooks, but I think everyone had that thing like, oh, no one's going to play Brooks, and then everyone's going to play him. <laughs> so that's the one. You know, we talked about a guy I'd rather bet than than on DK, and I'm going to bet him as well. Um, Forty just like DJ, but the difference is. You know, no one's playing DJ and people are playing Brooks. So that's a situation where I would bet the outright and not play him on DFS because DJ one, you just do both because he's not popular. But for Brooks, he's, he's going to be really popular. So I'm just going to just bet him and not play him on DFS. But I do like him. And then also like like he is along with this event being volatile, he is volatile. So he's not the safest guy. Right. And the thing is, like in terms of betting, I'll, I'll give everything, you know, that, that I really like about him. He was seventh and 17th uh, Phoenix and Honda respectively off the tee. He was top 26 in both uh, in strokes gain approach. So his ball striking is absolutely fine. Uh, missed the cut here on debut, but since been 35th, 16th, 11th and 56th. And, when he was 35th on his second start, he was actually uh, he opened with a 66, and then when he was 11th in, in that time, he, he shot a course record 63 on a Sunday. So, you know, there's a lot to actually like about him, like you said. And I did want to play him. Like, I thought I thought being able to actually fit in like John Rahm, DJ, and Kepka, and still you know having room to do things if you if you really go low down in the 6K range, I, I thought that was quite. You know, quite an exciting build, but I guess that kind of um, gives you a chance to do that, and, and others have got similar thinking with Brooks. Yeah, but the way you said it, I do like because no one's really going to have it with those three, especially with Rom's going to be, you know, relatively to how he usually is under owned. DJ's going to be under owned, so I do I do think it's a, a decent idea. And when I say popular, I mean it's relatively spread out this week. You know, there's yeah. so many good plays that no one no one's going to be 25. percent You know, it's so I think I think it's fine. Um, and in terms of the rest of these guys, I think the two guys in the low eights, I like, you know, a lot in Billy and Lowry. Yeah. I mean, look, Lowry is my, he's probably outside of the, the you know, the, the upside of the, the tickets on DJ and Cooker. I think he's one of my favorites because um, I, I I give him a little bit of a hard time, Lowry, cause I, and I think it's more how people treat Lowry as opposed to what Lowry does himself. Like, he isn't as consistent as I'd like him to be as, as uh, one of the world's best players as he's considered. Right. And when you look at it, like his, his career progression has been very, very natural. Like he won his home open as an amateur still in 2009, won that WGC at Firestone in 2015, contended here uh, in 2016 through uh, halfway stage, um, you know, and then won that open championship in, in, you know, tough weather conditions is always going to play into his hands it's not even just a lazy narrative it just is true um three out of the six cuts made here doesn't necessarily bother me that he has missed those three cuts like he opened um with a 68 on thursday last year sat third broke 70 over the the two weekend rounds just you know a 74 on friday kind of stopped him in his tracks a little bit but in 2016 it was actually even you know even better he was 65 68 to open um, sat second at the halfway stage and then shot a third round 78 Like, and I, I kind of said that maybe he, he kind of got shell shots a little bit, bit you know, leading or in contention at the Players' Championship he had won that WGC at Firestone so it might not have just been that, it might just be that the volatility of, of the Players' Championship finally got out of him on Saturday Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said and I'm also thinking you know, at the Honda he was absolutely excellent, he gained almost yeah. 7 strokes on approach, he was 
great off the tee. He's been, uh, you know, reliable off the tee, which is which is good to see because when he gets it going poorly, that's kind of where he, he messes up. And um, yeah, so I like the fact that he contended there. He played very well. It wasn't all putting. He really was striking it well. And then he took last week off and he didn't get his ass kicked by Bayhill. Like, and now he comes here confident. I think he's that's one reason I kind of like him better than these other guys in the AK is that he got to sit that one out. Actually, I on tour tips, I've just narrowed down the tee to green to. Uh... The last eight weeks, he's leading like third, seventh, and second in his last three uh, strokes gain rounds, like uh, three strokes gain tournaments. Um, you know that's huge. Like you just said there, like the reliability of the tee is massive for him. Um, you know it can get wayward at any point. Like, things can very quickly change. But um, yeah, I love him. And, and as for Billy Horschel, I think everyone's kind of been a little bit like getting a little bit late with Billy Horshaw and I thought that was the same thing last week that he was actually going to let people down because they were late on him compared to um, you know Phoenix where I really liked him and then everyone kind of jumped him at Honda and didn't quite work out and I thought oh, maybe it'd be similar at Bay Hill and I sort of said in the betting shows that if, if he wins and I took Koprek over him I'm going to be very disappointed and I think we kind of <laughs> talked him up on the, on the DraftKings for that, that reason right but um, he's been great like it's just been absolutely superb from Billy Horschel and um, you know fifth in strokes game approaches last two starts uh, again just reliability but I think the thing that everyone kind of holds back on him is his putting on Bermuda but eventually that's got to come right and he's been steady enough here that there should be I don't know if it's winning upside but it's safe upside at, at the price point it is, and I th- I heard somewhere I think he's top five in putting all time at at TPC Sawgrass. So there you go. Um, yes, I think he's. A, I think both those guys are good plays, and those are the two guys I kind of want to try to work in. Um, I I like Berger at the top of these eights, but he's just going to be too popular. And um, I, there's something about Daniel Berger and these majors and the players. Like he's not the guy you think he's going to be when he's playing, as he is when he's playing in these weaker field events. Like he's not going to go dominate like he does at Pebble Beach. His game obviously suits very well. He's great in Florida. He's great on short courses. He finds the fairway. You know, he's one of the best approach players, which is very important here. But something about that price compared to the ownership, and I just feel like he's might be the guy to let people down. Yeah, it's tough because I I used to think Daniel Berger was a little bit underrated. Like I used to, th- you know, when you actually look at his major record, he's got top twelve finishes in all of them. Um, you know, maybe not contended as much as you would have thought for someone of his ability, but you know, certainly, you know, been up there in, in the heat of the battle a couple of times. And then, like you say, players championship is a two top ten finishes here. Okay, it's it's not as great, but but two uh, second place finishes in WGCs and another fifth place finish as well. Like I do think he was a little bit underrated, and all of a sudden. Like because that ball striking prowess has come to the fore and he's basically one of the best iron players in the world, all of a sudden it feels like he's actually just getting overexposed and and that's probably a good time to jump off. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. What what are your thoughts on Louis? I purposely tried to avoid that. I I, I don't know. I mean, it's he's been second here in the past, right? You know, that, that's the. That's Louis Eustace and all over, but second would be a great result for some of the builds that you're going to do, and um, it, it's probably good because he's let people down, like you, you mentioned earlier. Like that's that's probably a benefit, the fact that he was 30th at the Honda when people thought he was going to be really good. Um, he missed that cut the RSM Classic as well not too long ago. He does everything you like at this golf course, doesn't he? You know, he's very tidy. He he's pretty reliable off the tee for the most part. Um, it's just. 
do you want winning upside from him at 8700 or are you happy just for him to to kind of make your top 10 yeah i i think yeah it depends i but i do it seems like he's going to be a little bit under owned so i do like that and the last guy i think we just should touch on is adam scott because i've been wanting to bet him here for a couple months like i think players is going to be a good spot from this year but the fact that that he played the weekend at bay hill and he lost four strokes on approach mostly on the weekend and yeah he's going to be probably the highest owned guy in this in this range in the lower eight so I'm, i think i'm going to fade him yeah i wouldn't necessarily jump straight off of him because i think like you've said in the past like the ownership's going to be spread out and but I, certainly if i had a choice over larry horschel and scott it would be larry horschel scott in terms of rankings um but then i would take scott over roostays and um yeah it's tough i mean what about sunjay I, there's a, uh, you know, there's a scenario where I see him playing very well, um, but I just don't think I'm going to be able to get to him over, you know, his stats weren't great. He gained 7.2 strokes putting at API and the rest was uh, in the red. And I just think I, I don't mind him, but I would just rather go to Horschel and Lowry. I think those are the guys I'd rather play. He's not, he's not as reliable as he has been in the past. That That's the major concern, isn't it? Like I know he's had 11th, 6th and 20th place finishes, but you know, like you say, the way he's been getting them done is is not necessarily the best. It's just the fact that he's got uh, two rounds of 66 here last year. Like he was fifth through uh, at the halfway stage and 66 again on the Sunday. Although 66 seems to be a common score that I've noticed on the Sunday with Morikawa putting. I think Corey Connors uh, shot the same score last year uh, on the Sunday. So I think it there was a lot of 66s out there, which maybe skewed a little bit of the form. Um, it's weird, isn't it? That we're moving quickly on without even talking about Finau and Neiman's, but I don't actually have any interest in playing either of them. Nope, agree. Cool, that's good. We can move straight on from those then. Folks, spring is right around the corner, and you know what that means? The Masters is coming. It also means that it's time for a tidy up in your pants, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the azaleas at Augusta, and like that beautiful course in Georgia, you're going to want to feel and look your best in time to sit down and watch the biggest event of the golfing calendar. It's time to clear out that winter bush and join 4 million men who trust Manscaped. Use code LFW20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped are the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing Performance Package 4.0. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is a pube assassin that is waterproof and equipped with an LED light, so you bet it's a major key to the new shower routine as you sit down to watch the major championship. Um. 7K range then, so we've got Sam Burns, uh, 7,900, Tyrrell Hatton, 7,800, Fitz, 7,700. I'll pause there and just talk about that trio first of all. Is Sam Burns back? Uh, you know, after that tied ninth finish last week at Bay Hill, you know, he's stopped the rut of those three missed cuts, um, you know, and pretty poor form, basically, in 2022. Um, I know you're, you're never quite as high on Burns as other people have been, but is this a good spot to get him now? It it could be. Uh, once again, I'm not going to do it. But he he gained six strokes putting. Yeah. Um, 
which he can do on Bermuda. So it's not like he can't repeat that performance. He absolutely can. The irons were pretty good. Uh, off the tee was okay, uh, which usually when he's you know really clicking, it's it's great. Um, but I think a club down course like this, where you don't necessarily, I guess maybe it isn't in, in after the switch to uh, March, but uh, I don't know. I, I'd rather play some other guys. I'm not I'm not going to be in. I was surprised that he only played it once. Like he's only played last year. And he, he opened up eighty one seventy six. Obviously, like we said, volatile course debut. Not necessarily anything too uh, drastic to worry about. But when I think of Sam Burns, I think he's been doing you know been steady for X amount of years um, without really having the success he's had. I'd have thought he'd played it a little bit more than that. But um, that that kind of worries me a little bit because I think he's got some learning to do from last year and he's still trying to cope with kind of that elevated status. So I'll probably ignore him. Um, Tyrrell Hassan has terrible course form, um, which is going to keep people off. I thought, even though he played well last week. Yeah, actually, I bet him here last year, um, and he was bad again. So uh, for me, it's it's tough, especially last week, considering he gained eight strokes putting last week. I mean, yeah, uh, didn't do really anything very well besides putt. Uh, he's good around the green, you know, which he which he often is, but it's just not enough for me to jump back on him because he hasn't, he's shown no consistency over the past pretty much two years. And last week, just cause he gained eight strokes putting, it's not going to be enough for me to, to jump back on him, even though he's going to be a, probably a nice pivot play. And I think as well, like the, the course came and the event came back to him as opposed to, I know you obviously have to play well in those conditions and he did, but you know, if the, if the scoring stayed as it was at the start of the week, he, he wasn't going to be involved in that event. No, 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 he wasn't. Um, and and that's almost a similar story with Fitzpatrick. He almost backed his way into that thing, kind of what we talked about and envisioned him doing. Yeah. Um, and and now he's 7700 which is a pretty good price. And But he's going to be very highly owned. Um, probably double the ownership of anybody else around here. So besides besides answer, but can you play him at that popular? I think he did, I think he is relatively safe this week. I think that's what it is. Like, I think there's a reason he's popular, and it is because of that safety net. Like, I do think this is a good course for him. I do think it's an event that he could actually. Sounds a bit extreme, but I do think he can win it. Like, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't put it past mm-hmm. him. Um, you know, top three after 36 holes, um, and after 18 holes and 36 holes last year here, um, we've seen it where he's contended when the course gets a little bit tougher and, and longer than it has in the past. So that doesn't really bother me that it's moved um, to the March slot. And, you know, he, he's bounced back nicely after his, his two missed cuts here. He, he opened with those and went 46, 41st, ninth. So he's trending right in the right direction. Um, like you say, safe. Like, I think that if you want someone to get you through uh, to the weekend, I would be playing Matthew Fitzpatrick. Answer you mentioned there, I kind of didn't think he was going to be popular, but I guess it's because of the, the dramatic drop in price. And I think it's the Pete Dye. Yeah. A lot of guys like to play him on the on the Pete Dye, and I I see it too. Uh, I would still rather just eat the extra of you know four or five percent and play Fitz there because something about answer. I mean, doesn't feel safe. He's not playing well. Like he, there's no getting away from the fact he is just not. He's not been the guy that we saw over the past couple of years. And you know how long do you put up with that before you actually realise that you probably can't play him? Yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I'm not going to play him, especially at double the ownership of, of the guys around him. Um, and I, I I think I'll eat the ownership on Fitz. I mean, he's, he has three starts this year, and all three of them are in the top ten. And 
I agree. I agree that I that he could actually have have winning upside, even though it might sound a little bit crazy. Um, and you know, and the guy I want to talk about here is Russell Henley, who, you know, seems to be a perfect fit every year at this place, but he just doesn't play well here. Did I don't understand why? No, I have no idea why. And it's it's interesting because um, those next three guys um, before him in Homer Leishman and Day. I just have no interest in, so I'm pretty happy to go mm-hmm. down to this kind of seven-four bit here, and it makes no sense that Russell Henley, like you say, has been bad here, and I think that's the perfect type of thing that. Can, I mean, I put out a tweet earlier. I don't know if you saw it. It just sort of said that you know odds aside, you know value aside, etc. Who just wins a player championship? And two people came back with Russell Henley, and you know that I, I don't know. Maybe one of them was tongue in cheek, but. You know, I think that it's just the ball striking is just so so good, and there is no, there's no rhyme or reason that he would play badly here. Like normally, when you see someone play as badly as he has here in the past, like it's because it doesn't suit him. But this really is a suitable test, and and as we spoke about earlier, if we're going to imply the logic that you know course form doesn't matter as much as uh, course experience, and then then Henley is the real truther of that. I agree. I'm probably going to play him. Uh, probably regret it, but I think I, I, I just everything he said I agree with. I think he's he's just a good play, and I 7400 for the way he's striking the ball. I mean, he gained 3.4 in approach last week. He finished in 13th place. Uh, just playing really, really well, and it just seems like again it's it should suit him. And I I think course experience, like you said, is better than course form, and uh, I'm probably going to give it a shot. Yeah. Also, I think you know not to, to forget that on his second start here he finished 17th and he was third after 36 holes and open with 65 close with 66 like he can play this golf course when he's in form and you know he has struggled like there, there's no there's no denying like for a couple of years he he struggled with his game more so than he ever had before like 2018 was a pretty rough year for him like no top three finishes only three inside the top 10 um 2019 he had one finish uh, of second and then nothing else in the top 10 11 missed cuts like he was 222nd in the world at the end of 2019 so i think if you start taking out the years where he was kind of struggling a little bit of his game and just look at when russell henley was russell henley um the, the, the 17th and 24th place finishes are definitely uh confidence boosting as is the 35th before his last uh three missed cuts as well so what, what's the ownership like on russell henley I'm seeing 8.6%. Yeah, so I'm guessing he's slightly less than, than the two vets in Sergio Garcia and Paul Casey. Just about the same as Garcia and um, a little bit less than Casey, but before we move on from Hanley, he made, he, he's made his last 13 cuts. So like yeah. you said, he's playing much better now than he was in the past. And and speaking of Casey, he is not, you know, everyone's saying he's going to be 20% owned because of his he's mispriced. But I think his horrible weekend is getting people off. I'm seeing now starting to dip below 10% for the first time all week. And I, I think people are maybe going off him now. There's so many other good plays. Yeah. He hurt me at the weekend. Like me too. I was really keen. We both were right. He was our favorite play and, um, he sucked. Like he really sucked and he really ejected and it was really hard to see. So, um, but again, just strong form here, strong form Florida in general, if he's going to start dipping ownership, I think I think I'm quite happy to go there. Let, give me your tidbit on Sergio Garcia that you gave me um, in the DMs earlier, because 
that was something I didn't know before. I, I actually managed to get 150 to 1 uh, on him on our Betfair exchange, which was absolutely ludicrous. You know, he's a guy that, for those that didn't see my tweet, he's made 20 of 22 cuts here. I think he's made 18 straight, which, to be honest, is pretty much a tiger stat. Like, you see those stats that you go, wow, only Tiger Woods could do that. Like, this is that's what I think of Sergio Garcia at the Players' Championship. Like, he is just phenomenal at this golf course. Yeah, I agree with that. I usually bet him every year here. And, and, and with that being said, I, regardless of what I'm about to say, the 150 to 1 is still great. Yeah. Um, but so since the, the calendar year switched, he started using these muscle-backed, uh, tailor-made irons. And since then, his iron play has just been horrific. And it's, it times up with right around the time he made the switch. Um, and in the last couple of starts, Genesis, he lost 2.1 in approach. API he lost five on approach he uh and he gained 5.2 putting at API last week so I think that even his 38th place finish was a bit deceiving he he hasn't played you know he hasn't been the Sergio with the irons that we're used to and even when his irons are really really sharp he has a hard time winning so the fact that his iron play has, has been so poor this year since you know 2022 it's that's what worries me the off the tee is still great he's still you know, pounds the driver with the best of them. Um, did you see that drive he had uh, when he took that aggressive line last week? That, yeah, it's that... just ridiculous. It's, it's probably like you're just rolling it back, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, he's he worries me, obviously. Uh, I tend to play him a lot. I play him in all the majors. He misses the cut in most of them. He, he bites me in the ass a lot. Um, with that being said, it's the players that Sergio. It's a, it's a perfect spot for him, but he's definitely volatile. Yeah, I think he'd be one of those ones that if I was making a, you know, a bit like that lineup that I mentioned earlier with with DJ Kupka and um, you, you know Lowry and people like that in there, that like I would I would probably chuck him in there and just try and see if I can get a volatile lineup because there's just such high winning upside um, with all those guys. And I do think Sergio has winning upside on this golf course, despite you know the fact that his his general winning upside may be dwindling as his years go on. Um, Gary Woodland was brought out to me by Jason, who's uh, your colleague at Golf WRX. Um, he, he was really excited to best him this week. I didn't initially see the excitement. I know he's obviously gone back-to-back uh, top five finishes. But when you look back, um, he was 11th here back in 2019, about 2014, I think it was. He was um, 11th. That was obviously still when it was in May. But he was uh, fourth after 36 holes, fifth after 54 holes. He's also been 28th, where he was 13th after... Uh, 18th, 6th after 36, and 15th after 54. Um, and then he was 30th two years ago in the first, uh, or three years ago now, sorry, in the in the first of the March renewals. Do you have any interest in Gary Woodland? Yeah, I, I, I like Gary Woodland a lot. I actually I bet an 80 80 to one today. I yeah. And I don't I don't tip, I don't typically love him, but um, I thought he'd be more popular too. He's looking about seven percent at the moment. Obviously, could change, but he I like him at courses where. It's not overly long. He's tend to play play really well in those types of courses. I know he does have some decent course history here, and he's just playing really well. And I I saw something out of him last week where, you know, despite that, the, you know the, the mess up in the bunker there in 17. But yeah. other than that, I liked his ability that when he got in the mix, he kind of turned it on. Like I'm gonna go win this thing. And I like the mentality that he showed. Yeah, I think. I think he's creeping back because even like the the US Open win for Gary Woodland was virtually an anomaly, right? Like that wasn't 
necessarily expected of him. He was a guy that had a hard time winning for a little period uh, and then just got really hot. And he kind of did, I guess, what you, you think of a, a Jason Koprak, but he managed to parlay one of those wins into into a major at Pebble Beach. But it, it it's tough to know what what a good Gary Woodland week looks like now. I think those back-to-back top five finishes are, you know, if he gets a fifth this week, that'd be a great result. So um, that's a long way of saying I think he's a good play. But I guess the guy that's going to be really popular down here after his uh, week last week is Corey Connors at 7300. Corey Connors. Yeah, he's definitely going to be popular. Uh, him and Siwoo both, him and Siwoo both will be popular. Uh, and Gooch, those kind of the three guys who are looking like they're going to carry a lot of ownership. Um, more so than anyone else, even including Casey. So um, I'm probably going to be off Connors. It was just he interesting because just... he went back to his tee to green. He was first in tee to green last week and, and decent approach numbers as well. I think once that starts coming back, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I'd, I like, you know, I don't, I don't not like him. I think I'd rather play Woodland than him. And yeah. One thing about get Woodland too is I agree with you. It's like you don't know what a good Gary Woodland week looks like now, but the fact that he in both those events where he's in fifth, it's not like there was some anomaly. He was gaining strokes across the board in both of them. It just seems like it's the consistency is back, and I think it's giving him some confidence, and that's why I like him. Um, Connors, I like. I don't know if he has the you know the winning upside that I think Woodland might have though. No, I, I would. If I was literally betting both of them, I'd certainly take Woodland at the the bigger price. Connors has got the steam for the right reasons. He's he's gone back to an elite performance in the area that he's good at, and when you see that, it's time to flash. I know Gooch is going to be popular, and and that is mainly due to the seventy two hundred price tag and the fact that he finished fifth last year. Um, I'm guessing he's just going to be way too chalky to play for you. Yeah, too chalky to play for me, and I'm not the I'm not a huge Gooch guy anyway, and I. I don't know. He's one of those guys I think might kind of turn around and bite people. He just seems like too good of a play on paper, and he's going to be really popular. And it's just, I don't know. What's he done here? Anything? I mean, he finished fifth last year um, after right. missing the cut the year before. But like as I said to you uh, earlier, there's, there's been a ton of guys that just kind of had a really good Sunday, and and he was one of them. He shot 67 on Sunday. He shot 68 round two, but two rounds of 71 as well. So um, hard to know. Like I think I think because he's so cheap uh, and because he's going to be so popular, it does feel like a lit down spot. Um, unless he kind of finishes in the top five ten, um, you know, he doesn't have to do that to pay off his price, right? But I think that's what people think they're getting when they put Taylor Gooch in. It's not a guy they're just thinking they're going to get through the cut. They think there's a lot of upside, and if that's what you're expecting, it could be a, a long weekend. Yeah. Yep, what, about, I agree. what about Luke List at the same price? Because I know that he's still hitting the ball really well, tee to green. He's, he's, when you look at it objectively after the Farmers where he won, 53rd miscut, miscut, just looks like he's he's kind of won and finally kind of achieved what he wanted to achieve and, and tailed off. But shot a second round 66 in Phoenix to make that cut. Um, you know, it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, either the two starts, he's just been really bad with his putter. Can he get it going here? I'm going to say no, because uh, he is striking it okay, but, uh, you know, he's lost 2.4 on approach at Genesis, then he gained 2.9 on approach. He's gained 1.7 and 1.8 in his last two starts, which is on off the tee, which is okay. But, I mean, yeah, for him for him to really do well, he has to gain 8, 9, 10 strokes from Peter Green. Like, 3 or 4 is not going to cut it because his putting is so bad. He, I mean, he... 
he lost 7.1 strokes last week, 5.9 um, at, in Phoenix. He just the ball striking isn't as good right now as enough to make up for how bad the putter is. Um, and I just think he's going to be kind of continue to be bad for a while. I think I think that's just that's probably I think once you get that breakthrough victory, you you take probably a couple of weeks off and. He was riding some really hot form going into that win anyway, so I think he was trying to capitalise and, and Torrey Pines was a good spot for him. The only thing um, for me is obviously got that tied for finish at the Heritage, obviously a Pete Dye. Um, he actually won on this golf course on the Corn Ferry in 2020, which kind of um, you know started this resurgence, if you like, in Luke List's game and, and sort of led to him to getting that first victory, I think. Um, and when you look at his 56th place finish, which is the only time he's made the cut in 2019, um, he, sorry, that, that sounded wrong. It wasn't the only cut he made in 2019. The only time he's made the cut at the Players' Championship was in 2019. He was 13th after day one and 10th after 36 holes. So the upside of Luke List is he's won on this golf course, albeit in, in lower company, and, and you know been inside the top 10 after 36. So it'd be interesting. Like you say, he's probably not hitting it well enough to compensate for bad putting, but I thought he was worth mentioning at a cheap price. Yeah, definitely worth mentioning. He's not going to be for me. Um, a couple guys who I was kind of looking for, looking at in that range were um, one Russell Knox. I mean, his stats are just jumped off the page. He's which they always do, but um, he's actually been somewhat reliable. Um, I guess you could say of late. Uh, he has finishes uh you know 33, 33, 33 like we talked about, but. Um, <laughs> It's just I think it's it's a good course for him. I think he can keep it in play. I think if it gets a little bit tough, that's a good that's good for him. Uh, he just I don't want to say safe because he's he's definitely not safe. But he like I I would take a thirty third with the guys who I'm going to be playing him with. I mean, look, his own uh, his only regular PJ Tour victory came on a Pete Dye at TBC River Highlands at the Travelers. Uh, he was second at the RBC Heritage. Uh, he's ninth and obviously heritage as well and like you say safe is probably the operative word for him because he's played here what seven times he's made five cuts uh, even when he missed the cut they weren't you know horrendous like checkouts they were kind of like 76 72 74 72 so it's not it's not dreadful it's just you know you could have got on the wrong side of the draw or he could have just been in bad form i haven't i haven't deep dived russell knox because he just i think a lot of people talk themselves into russell knox and and he lets him down, and I, by proxy, decide he's let me down, despite the fact I didn't even play him. But um, it's tough. I, I'm always quite negative on Russell Knox, just because I think he he always looks like a, a darling stats-wise, and then doesn't follow it up. But you know, it, he if you if you're looking for a guy, like a, I don't think he can be a last guy in here, considering all the the roster construction you're going to have to do. But if he's someone that you're not expecting to to have too much of a good week and, and you can settle for just making a cut, he's he's safe in that department, I think. Yeah, yeah. What about Kiz? Hmm. Where is he? Seventy-one. Uh, yeah. Look. Yeah. It looks like no one's really going to play him. He's. What's what's his course form look like? I know you have all the hidden forms. So, too, he, not just so he had he had the second. He lost in the playoff, didn't he, on his debut? Um, I think was that the Ricky Fowley? Let me just double check what that was. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the Ricky Fowley. Let's just double check. Yeah, Ricky Fowler and sure Sergio yeah. was uh, was in that, and uh, you know that that was obviously a peak performance. But he's got a, a 22nd here in 2019 where he was 
um, eighth after round one, seventh after round two, and twelfth after fifty-four holes. And then when he was fifty-sixth, two years prior to that, he, he that was kind of like the best he could have done that week. But I think what he's done here, three made cuts and or three decent performances and three missed cuts, is kind of uh, the epitomizes his career as a whole, I guess. Yeah, um, I can I can see the appeal. Probably not going to be from me. I just um, I just think he could be a good pivot spot for because now we're going into the seven k flat where I'm guessing that Chris Kirk, Alex Noren, um, are going to be popular plays. Yeah, so is Tom Hoagie. Um, yeah, and I don't like either of those two, Kirk or Hoagie. Uh, so I don't I don't love the range altogether. I think I mean I was I was looking at Knox a lot, but that's really the only guy. Um, Westy's been playing all right. I, so we seem to say that every week, don't we? And he, he doesn't quite uh, doesn't quite reward us. No, he doesn't. And then and then the, the a lot of guys are popular in the high six as well. I mean, you got I know we're not in the sixes yet, but it's just a hundred dollars off. You have Bradley and Harmon, who are going to be very popular. So yeah, you got to find a pivot somewhere, and I guess that makes some sense. And how about Maverick McNeely, who is going to be really low owned? I mean, if you said three weeks ago that he was going to be three percent owned that 7k flat and people would have been all over it is there a kind of narrative around mcneely but that he's a california guy and just can't do it now that we're in the florida swing probably that's probably it and the, and the results are bearing that as well so maybe that's true again he was fourth though at the heritage which you know i don't know if there's necessarily massive crossover but in well there is crossover sorry i don't know if there's massive um comparisons to it there's certainly been people that have, that have crossed over and played both i mean a guy that we're going to come on to later but we'll just do it for this purposes is jt poston um has finished here 22 both times and he had a pair of top eights at harbour town uh luke donald's been runner up at both events see with kim has won the players and lost at the heritage uh glenn day has finished uh second at the players and won the heritage and then you just got a whole host of elite guys that have won both events so in total i think there were 16 players that have finished first or second at both of those events so there is some crossover that heritage that, that maybe suggests that McNeely can do it. Um, I quite like Hoagie, not when he's popular, um, because now I think people are playing Hoagie because they know what he is. Now they've seen him get that win, they've seen him follow it up with the 14th. Even last week he was 32nd, but to your point, uh, had to struggle through that sort of like difficult weekend and um, opened up with 78 to start with, so he kind of put himself behind the eight ball to, to even begin the week. But um, the one guy I'd, uh, didn't he mention um, to say he didn't like was Alex Noren. I do like Alex Noren a lot. Yeah. Um, he's looking at eight nine percent. He he's been playing great. Uh, it's it's especially if it gets a little little chilly, a little drizzly. It's something you expect him kind of maybe can can play really well this week. Uh, he was great at Honda, five point four in approach. He likes the difficult. It's, it seems like he's getting back to the Alex Noren that we used to know, where he he's good on a tough test and. Uh, he's going to hang in there for you, and I, I think it's a great spot for him. I, I'll, I'd rather eat the chalk and play him than go for a guy who I who I'm not sure on, like McNeely or Kiz. Yeah, I mean, look, Noren's. Uh, so I'm fancying golf. You get an underdog card, and he's my, currently my underdog in that um, team. And again, <clears throat> a bit of hidden form when he was 17th. He was the, one of six uh, co-leaders on the first day. He was fifth going through 36 holes. And when he was 10th on his debut, his third after round one, fifth after round two, seventh after round three. Did put me off slightly. He missed both cuts since it moved to March. And to your point there, where you said that it looks like he's getting back to the Alex Norman that we knew, that fifth place at 
the Honda was important because it. I think we mentioned it, and, and other people certainly mentioned it. If we haven't, that he looked like he was getting away from that kind of tough uh, grinder mentality and actually trying to to fit in with the low scoring uh, PJ Tour events, and then maybe that just changed up his game and, and the way he played a lot. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to think that he's back to kind of who he is, and I like that Alex Norn is that type of player. So I, I, I like him this week. I'd probably eat a bit of ownership. Yeah, you mentioned, um, we won't take too much longer on here, but you mentioned um, Brian Harmon there at 6,900. He's going to be very popular, but but for good reason, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did see that you bet him, right? So Yes. And he, he makes perfect sense. He just, he's been playing great. His course history is, you know, one of the best out of everybody here. And he, it's just a perfect spot for him. And it just sucks because I, the guys that I really want to play down here are the guys that are most popular and he's definitely one of them yeah the, the thing for me that, that i really liked about i mean there's that stat out there um that basically you have to have had a tied 22nd finish or better on your most recent start um to win here right but when i looked at what brian Harmon had done coming into the two times that last last two times here that he's contended third and eighth he was not in great form coming in so when he was eighth in 2019 he had missed his last two cuts and five of the first seven in that year. And in 2021, he'd finished 39th and tied 43 in his two starts going into the event. And he only had one top 10 on the uh, on the season. That was at the American Express, or on the calendar year, sorry. Um, and this year, he's got the third at the American Express, which obviously betters that result, and 14th at Phoenix as well. So if anything, I think he's probably better equipped this time around to contend. I don't think there's winning upside. Like I put in my... Um, in my column on Oshcheka, that I think he was where the, the winning upside stopped. Like, I think he's a placement play and top 10, top 20 guy, but that's what we want him for DraftKings. Right? I know he's going to be popular, um, but he's got those four top eight finishes at the Travellers. He's got the three top eights here. You're not going to get that from, from many guys. I mean, the other guy that would probably be reliable down here uh, is the guy you mentioned in Keegan Bradley. Yeah, it's t- those are the two guys I want to play. Uh, those really are the two guys I want to play. Uh, I think that they're both just really safe. And you talk talking about top 10, top 20 upside, and they both have that. Um, and Keegan's played great in Florida. He played great in Florida last year. Um, and I just, 11th last week, I mean, that was great. He was steady. That was the thing about him. He was just making pars on Sunday when everyone else was ejecting. And, and I just, he's been reliable off the tee, um, you know, lately. And for the last year or two, he's been great. And, and I think I... I can I can eat the chalk to get these guys through the cut. I just I, sometimes you got to do it. A lot of times these winning lineups can have a can have a high owned 6K guy. You just got to find a different way to be different. And there's a reason why they're popular. It's because those two guys I think are likely to get through the cut, which is what you want at 6900. And you you just have you have to have these guys right. You can't like uh, J T Poston is 6100, and he's going to be a guy that is going to get used. Um, when when you've run out of money because he's got those two 22nd place finishes here um, and obviously made the cut of the Honda. He's 42nd. He was 23rd at the Phoenix and 25th at the American Express. So every other event um, he's he's making the weekend and I kind of like it. Like, uh, but I mean I don't know how popular a 6100 guy can get. So I don't think you need to worry too much about that. But like you say, I don't think there's there's many safe options. I I had a look. There was a guy, uh, Aaron Wise is who I wanted to talk about at 6,600. Um, sort of looked like he was getting back to his ball striking a little bit last week at Arnold Palmer and finished 17th. 
Yeah, that that makes some sense. Um, I wasn't. I didn't think too much about him. I, uh, he, I don't think he's safe by any means. Um, no, no, definitely not safe. I, th- I think there's just if I'm looking for someone with upside, this is a guy that that before the start of the year was who everyone was desperate to play at basically any price and bet him at any odds. And all of a sudden he's right down here in the mid six Ks. And, you know, he was second tee to green last week. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, he, yeah, he could be a good play. He, he, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a reason why he might be a little bit overlooked is at the Honda. He was 13% owned and he missed the cut. So I think, yeah, that could be definitely a good spot to get on him. Um, Talking about guys who, this guy I really like. He he has good course history. Uh-huh. He's been bad for a while, but he was great last week from tee to green. He, he he lost six strokes putting, and he still finished in 26th place. Four off the tee, three on approach, and he is he's had some really good results here. Do you know who I'm talking about? Is it Brendan Steele? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good player. I think that, you know, he was 41st here um last year he you know he was never worse than 72 so he shot 272 271s uh, he's got that sixth place finish which is a nice upside for him he's just really hard to, to get right uh, outside of the fortinet or what the, you know whatever it is the safe way that he plays uh incredibly well at like you, you just don't really know what to expect from brendan Steele, and that's almost part of the appeal in this um you know this type of spot because like we've said earlier, or like I said earlier, and I'm, I'm thinking you agree that if you're going to get a few five out of sixes that are going to cash, and you know it's going to be so hard to get six out of sixes, you can get a little bit riskier down here and, and take some guys that you think can have a bit of upside. Yeah, no one's gonna no one's gonna play him. And then I was looking at Herbert; he played pretty good last week. No one's really playing him at sixty six hundred. Yeah, I don't know what to do with uh, Herbert. I think. I think the trouble with Lucas Herbert, I'm surprised no one's playing him because I feel like he's one of those guys, a bit like Bezweden, a bit like Aaron Rye, that as soon as they play well, people want to jump on again because, you know, he's he's kind of got that win. But, um, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. I, th- I think he can play well around here. Um, you're not looking for winning Never upside mind. down here, right? I changed my mind. He's, his stats are absolutely horrible. He, he <laughs> gained eight, eight and a half strokes putting and six strokes around the green. So that's how he came in seventh last week. I, I'll probably pass. But then, you know, the, the the counter to that, I guess, is that there's a lot of room for improvement to to, to find it. You know, he's not, he's not terrible. I mean, his game has generally been built around a decent short game anyway. That's what I've always been my knock with him. It's always been my knock with uh, Rye. It's always been my knock with Biswedenhout. They're just suited to these DP World Tour tests. And because they flash every now and then in, in tournaments over here, they, they kind of get their ownership, which, you know, OK, it's not applicable to Herbert this time, but... It is in general. Um, there was one guy that I wanted to talk about. I think Danny Lee. Like if, if we really want to oh get boy. kind of, I really want to get spicy. Um, you know, 21st at Riviera. Made the cut last week. Nothing on top of that. Um, but I just, I'm just pretty sure when I was looking at his course history, yeah, he's got a 7th place finish here uh, where he was 2nd through the 36 and 54 holes. And he was 35th as well where he was 11th through 54 and had a bad Sunday. Um, there is four miscuts uh, against those two decent finishes, but I think he was pretty good tee to green. He was 20th tee to green last week. Uh, what was he on approach? He was 10th. So to me, if that's something that can continue, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Danny Lee's going to win you a lot of money, but 
Yeah, if, if you're really desperate and need to, I mean, I earlier made managed to make a lineup I really liked that was a hundred dollars short with Jay Z posting in it, um, and he would obviously have to be the person I'd put in. I I like him now that I look at it. Four point three <laughs> in approach last week, really good. Lost six point four putting. I mean, and he still managed to finish, uh, you know, sixty first. But yeah, third, I, third at the Travelers Championship of a Pete Dye design. You're talking me into him. I think he talked in me into him once before i don't think it went very well but i'm, I'm, I'm that sounds to give it, right <laughs> to give it to give it one more chance i do like it and one i guess the last guy i really want to talk about was hostler i'm kind of surprised he's both very cheap and pretty much you know very low owned and he's off back-to-back top 20s in florida Yep, I'm glad you like uh, i'm glad you said Bo hostler I'm a bit worried you know that the tee to green game wasn't he was, was he 50th in the field and 40th in approach? So it wasn't great, but he was gaining, um, you know, in general. And I never know. Like, to me, when if you'd have asked me four or five years ago, you'd be like, the the, the upside on Bo Hostler is, is pretty good, right? Like, he's he contended the US Open when he was, what was he, 15, 16 years of age, 17 years of age? Um, missed the last two cuts here, but I think they're pretty much ignorable considering... Is that even a word? Ignorable? It is for now. Um, considering his current form. But he was 46th on his debut, so I think there's probably some made-cut equity. Yeah, I think so too. So if, if I had to play some guys down here, I think I like Hostler, I like Steele, um, and those two popular guys we talked about, Bradley and, and um, who was the other one? Um, Harvin. Yeah, yeah, those four. Uh, I like. I would like to go back to Munoz and Merritt. Like I, th- I think those were guys that that should have. I mean, Munoz did okay for me last week, and and Merritt <laughs> would have been fine if it wasn't for the 15 over par Sunday. But um, you know, everyone was kind of getting caught out. The the course form's not great for Troy Merritt. I think we've had enough kind of evidence to say he's bad. But especially Munoz was okay, even though he missed a cut last year. Like I think he opened 71, 74. That's not you know, it's, it's not dreadful. Um, but it really just depends. I think kind of like the, the mid to high, or certainly the mid sixes, and then that high 7K range are a little bit of dead spots because you're going to be either having to go really cheap in the 7K and 6K range to, to get your big guys in, or you're going to be looking to the top of the 6K range for a safety in Bradley and Harm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, Munoz is looking a bit popular, like 5 6%, but, yeah. you know... It, is what it is. So is uh, so is Hadwin, by the way, and then and then you get Mito at around eight percent, who I um, don't like. I, I it just seems like a spot he's going to miss the cut. So don't play Mito if you're listening to me right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never advocated the Mito Pereira thing. I think there's always one that people think is going to come off the corn ferry and do what Zalatoris did and do what Song Jm's done, and you know it doesn't doesn't necessarily play out that way so i don't think we need to keep chasing this kind of mito Pereira success uh, and certainly not around the players uh, championship one one word of warning before we go i still think webb simpson is hurt so i, I haven't yeah. heard anything to to confirm that but the last thing i the last message i got was not good news about webb simpson so um i wouldn't play him until i know anymore if if I do know something and, and people want to play him and ask me later in the week, then maybe I can let you know. But as it stands, the last thing I heard about Webster is he could have been out for a while and this is kind of ahead of schedule. So I don't know if he's 
back based on the fact that he's just a player and feels like he has to play. I don't know if he's back because he's ahead of recovery or he's going to withdraw before the start. I have no idea what scenario plays out there. Yeah, good to know. Um, let's wrap it up then, Matt. Let's go our favourite plays uh, in the 10k plus range. All right, I'm going John Rahm. Yeah, so I'm going to take Colin Morikawa, um, but absolutely understand the appeal of John Rahm. 9k. I'm going to go Dustin Johnson. Yep, we're going to agree on that and hope it plans out better than Paul Casey at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> 8K range for me? Um, let's see. 8K, I am going to say... I'm going to go Lowry. Oh, God. Here we go again. Lowry as well, so I like that. Um, hopefully this means that we're either we're both right or uh, you know we can differentiate as well. I think the 7K range, we might have different uh, opinions. I will go with Woodland. Ah, see, I thought you might go Russell Henley. Um, I'm going to buy into that safety with Sergio and hope that Ivory gets rid of those irons or uh, suddenly works out how to use them because I think you know that there's certainly a lot of upside in Sergio Garcia. And then the 6K range. I'm going to go Keegan Bradley. Yeah, I'm going to go Brian Harmon. You know, it's one of the two there for us, but. I am interested in playing JT Poston just to just to give you some freedom um, at the top of the board. Um, one other guy actually that we didn't talk about in the six K range is Taylor Pendrith still seems to be scoring people some points. This is a, he concerns me at this course. I don't know. I I'm probably going to avoid him. T- too much water for Taylor Pendrith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's high upside though. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I just feel like he can make a ton of birdies. Uh, if he gets you through the cut, he's going to make some points. And um, when you look, 16th at Tory, 42nd last week, 25th at Honda. He just seems to actually relish a tough test. Bermuda, he was fifth. So I, ju- I just wonder if, you know, even the US Open in 2020, he was 23rd. So I just wonder if, if he gets through that cut line, um, whether he can just score some people some points. But um, I think that puts a bow on it, Matt. Um, thank you very much as ever I know that's probably slightly longer than we anticipated talking but um, it's a good event it's a, it's a huge event probably deserves its title of fifth major certainly probably the hardest to get right and uh, a lot of fun constructing lineups this week absolutely it was a blast uh, we'll talk next week hopefully we both have a good one I hope so Matt thank you very much buddy